Motherhood Mondays on the Alley on the Run show are brought to you by Sweaty Betty. Welcome to this week's episode of Motherhood Mondays. The goal of this series is to remind moms in every stage that you're not alone and you're doing great. If no one's told you that today, by the way, you're doing great. Today's guest is Kate Parker. Kate is a photographer and she's the creator of two game-changing books, Strong as the New Pretty and The Heart of a Boy. A few years ago, Kate, a mom to two girls, was taking photos of her daughters and she had a revelation. And that simple act of taking a million photos a day of her kids like we all do, it didn't just launch a revelation, it launched a revolution. Kate's work showed her girls and their friends in their truest, rawest, most honest ways. Not always perfectly posed or wearing cute dresses and pretty bows. They were messy, they were silly, they were spirited, they were real. And her photos went viral. One day, Kate woke up to see that everyone from the Today Show to BuzzFeed to David Beckham were talking about these photos and loving them. Kate's mission is to let boys and girls know that they're strong just the way they are, whatever that looks like. So on this episode, Kate talks about this movement and about her quest to get kids to see and channel their strength, whether or not it conforms to societies and gender norms. It's a message I wholeheartedly believe in, and I'm really excited to share this conversation with best-selling author, Kate Parker. Kate, welcome to Motherhood Mondays on the Alley on the Run show. I'm thrilled to have you here. I have a lot of questions. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. You've done a lot of amazing things. You're raising two amazing children. Let's kick things off with the easy questions. Tell us where you live and what it is that you do. Uh, so I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am a photographer and an author. All right. What are the names and ages of your children? Ella is just turned 14 and Alice is 10. What is your current childcare situation? Are they in school? Do you have nannies, babysitters? Who's in your village? Oh, that's a good one. That's, and it's always top of my mind. So um, the, right now, so right now we're off from school, so, which is early because we live in the South. But um, they, so I, ha I live in the same neighborhood as my parents, which is amazing. And they help all the time. But my husband also works from home. So he and I sort of tag team. If I travel, he's, he's kind of in charge. And if I am home, we both, we both like go to school drop off and go to school pick up and try to be as, as, as many things as possible. It's kind of our, what we enjoy. Oh my gosh. That's my dream. Both parents working from home with the grandparents <laughs> next door. That is awesome. We do, yes, we have, we have like a lot of, it's amazing. And my sister um, lives, you know, like five minutes away. So we have, a, we definitely have a village, which we've relied on you know, many, many times. Yeah, you have to. And oh my gosh, I'm so jealous of you right now. I love it. Uh, tell me, what is the best thing about being a mom? It is the best thing that I have ever done. I absolutely like love being a mom. I love my girls. I love being with them. I love what, you know, what, how, what they've taught me and how I've grown since I've had them. Like they completely you know, like when you have kids, it completely changes your life um, forever. And I remember like nobody really ever said that. You're like thinking 18 years and, you know, but no, my mom still worries about me. You know, every time I fly anywhere, she's like, text me when you land. And I'm 42. So like, it's just, I, I think it's, I mean, there, it's just this life changing thing that is 
scary and um, intimidating and you feel like you're constantly failing, but at the same time, it's the best thing ever. Like it's these, it's just these like extremes all the time. Um, I think that's what makes it so great. Oh my gosh. Extremes all the time is probably the best description of parenthood that I've ever heard. I mean, I'm, I'm new to the game. I'm only seven months in, but that is so accurate. Yeah, it is. You're like always, I mean, when they're, you know, you're seven months old, that's a different set of worries. But then as they get older, it changes and everything either moves away or, or is not no longer a worry, but that this other set of worries moves in. It's always this constant like shifting of, of what is your main focus. And, and I've realized like, as I've, you know, as I've gone through it, is it's like, you are only as happy as your unhappiest child. So if your child is struggling, like you are struggling a hundred percent, it's um, your heart. It's just like your heart. They are your heart. All right. So tell me what is the hardest thing about being a mom? Uh, oh, it, uh, for me, is worry. I worry all of the time. I worry whether I'm doing a good job, whether they're okay, whether we're giving them too much. Are we giving them enough of the right things? Are, you know, just this, this constant worry of, are they physically okay? Are they emotionally okay? It's just this, like, this unending worry about making sure that they are okay. What eases that worry? Is it, I mean, I know it's like, it's so many different worries and it's constant. Is it just knowing like, okay, they arrived where they're going, that worry's done. Or like, yes. I'm thinking like the big picture worries, like, am I doing an okay job? What, what makes you feel better? What puts you at ease with that? I think for, for like the, the, I guess the more mundane worry, like physical well-being, is like, it's just, you know, you have to like let that go a little bit of like, you know, you play soccer, you're going to get a concussion. You're okay though. <laughs> um, and because, well, yeah, both my girls play sports. But the other big picture worries about like universal, are we doing a good job? Are they good people? Are we teaching them the right things? It's like you get these little check-ins where unexpected, where people will say, you know, oh my gosh, Ella did this and, you know, did this kind thing and, and we didn't know about it. Or like, you know what I mean? It's just like, I'm not there telling her to do it, but somebody reports back to me and you're just like, oh my gosh, we are doing the right thing. Yeah. All right. And my last quick question for you is how would you describe new motherhood reflecting back on your first baby, those earliest weeks and months? How would you describe new motherhood? Oh my God. One word. We'll give you one word. Awful. Is that <laughs> No, no. That is almost refreshing because everyone talks about the cuddles and it's so beautiful. And it was it was the hardest time in my entire life. I have nothing to compare it to, but why was, why, why is awful what comes to mind for you? It was, it was just your entire life changes, your entire life changes. And, um, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to, you know, you kind of learn, but it's like, for me, I mean, it was, you know, your body changes. And actually for me, I, after I had my first one, I had, eclampsia so I had seizures and it was like this I just this huge upheaval in 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 your hormones and your I mean in everything every aspect of my life I stopped working I was home with this baby I was like kind of sick but getting better and I it was just it was really hard I remember this one she might have been like three weeks old or four weeks old and I remember watching a baseball game and was 
jealous of every single person in the stands because I thought I was never having fun again. Like I thought my life was over and it was sort of, it just felt, I guess it felt lonely. And then also for me, I was like, oh, I'm the one that's feeding her. I'm, you know, like there was not a lot of, my husband did as much as he could, but I was still breastfeeding. So there was like not a lot of shared, you know, like it was a lot, it was just a lot on me. And that was the first time that I ever felt like sort of that, oh my gosh, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping this, this little human alive. It was just, it was just a very, it was like sort of that earth moving sort of change in my life. Do you remember when you started having fun again? Let's see. Um, it was probably, I mean, I think after, I think for me, as, as when I would run, like for me, running was huge. I started getting triathlon then. And, um, but running, like when I, I would feel back to myself, even though I was running really slowly, I was, when I would work out, I started to feel like that was my time. And that, that really like, cause mentally I think it helped me you know, just moving really helped me a lot. Um, and then I felt like myself again. So I think maybe I, and I don't, I wouldn't say that I had, I was like post, I had any postpartum depression. Like I was fine, but it was just this huge, like tectonic shift in my world of like, oh my gosh, this is hard. And you know, nobody's, you know, nobody can say, oh, I'll take that 3am feeding or I'll do that. You know, I'll wake up early because I was feeding her. And looking back, I could have been like, we could have supplemented. What was, what was I thinking? <laughs> you know, like, but I would say maybe like three months, four months, I just started to feel like, okay. You know, I think when she started to sleep more, that was a huge thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a game changer when you can actually like, and not just sleep, but a little bit more predictable sleep. I know that for me, that was huge because every night I would get so anxious at night, even if she were sleeping five hour stretches, I didn't always know if she would. Yeah. For me, I know it wasn't until I kind of knew. And, and then still, I mean, at seven months, it's not always the exact same time she wakes up every morning. We're not one of those, you know, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people are like, oh, she sleeps exactly seven to seven. I'm like, that's great. Applause for you. <laughs> we're not exactly there. Um, we're yeah. close, but I know that it was a wait when I knew kind of what I could expect. And I did have, you know, I had a lot of anxiety. So I think that was a big part of it. But um, yeah, the, both the being able to sleep and kind of just knowing you'll be able to sleep at some point. Yes. Yes. I think having a little predictability in your life is huge. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I want to talk about all of your amazing work. We've talked a lot on this series about pregnancy, about childbirth and about the newborn stage, but Today, I want to go beyond the baby stuff. I want to talk about Strong is the New Pretty. And you have two books now. We'll talk about both of them. I want to talk about Strong is the New Pretty. Tell me about what that is, not just as a collection of photos, as a book, as a movement, and, and what inspired Strong is the New Pretty. Oh, so yeah. So it, it actually relate. It's funny because I've talked a lot about the book, but nobody really ever asks about motherhood. And, and it's so hugely tied to this project and how it started. Like, so I, like I had said, when I had Ella, I, I was, I had stopped working um, and I was home with her and, you know, like tons of parents, I started taking pictures of her because I thought she was, you know, the most beautiful thing 
in the world. And I was a terrible photographer. I did not, you know, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to shoot manually. I didn't know how to edit photos, um, but I wanted to. So I started, you know, I, I taught myself through YouTube how to shoot manually and I would slowly like upgrade my equipment. And then I had my second daughter, Alice, a couple years later and just was slowly getting better. And I, and I would take pictures every single day of my girls. And I noticed you know, my girls were not, they were, they were, they were like silly. They were always dirty. They were playing in the Creek in the mud in the backyard. They were, um, did not have matching outfits on. They were emotional. Um, they, they were, and I, I, some people have a problem with this word. I don't, they were tomboys. Um, and, um, they were just not how you see typical little girls photographed. Like a lot of times, a lot of the pictures we'd see of little girls would, um, especially here in the South is, you know, bows in their hair, smiling at you, um, little dresses on like perfect. And my girls didn't look that way. And I didn't want them to feel that they had to change who they were or alter, you know, themselves or smile for me, um, to be celebrated and to be beautiful. So that's kind of, for me, how the project started. I wanted my girls to see images of themselves and other little girls that were confident and strong and dirty and silly and goofy and full of life and personality, um, just like they were. Like, and that's basically how the project started for me. It was just like trying to capture my girls and their friends for who they were. All right. So you have this whole collection of photos now of all these awesome kids. What came next? So, okay, I was asked to be part of a gallery show here in Atlanta, and um, I had to find, you know, 20, the 20 strongest images that kind of told the story be up on the wall, and I was so excited. I'd never been part of a gallery show. I was still sort of a new photographer, so I was, it was a huge, huge honor, and not one single of my images sold at the gallery, and I was kind of got, first of all, I got, um, my initial reaction, I was like, I got pissed. And then <laughs> I was m more like, oh, I'm a failure as a photographer. This is not going to work for me. Nothing sold. You know, I got down on myself for, I don't know, I would say a week or so. And then I was like, you know what? I still think there's something worthwhile here. And I packaged, I, I sent an email to a few blogs that I followed with a basically what I just said to you, you know, like this, these are these girls being themselves, being strong, being confident, not changing who they are. I think we need more images of little girls this way. And I sent it to like three or four blogs that I followed and it started to, you know, sort of pick up traction and it went, it went viral and it was on, you know, CNN, the Today Show on Buzzfeed and it was just seen and shared everywhere. And then I had the opportunity from that exposure. Um, somebody emailed me and said, hey, we'd like you to do a book. And then somebody else emailed the next day and said, you know, don't say yes to that person. I'm an agent. Well, talk to me. You know, it was just this huge, like, onslaught of, of press and media. And um, it, was, it was super overwhelming. Um, but, like, I was at, at the same time, it was scary. It was, I was also like, oh, my gosh. I'm not the only one that thinks girls need to hear this message or see these images. So it was, it was pretty, it was just a lot coming at me at, the, at one time. It was very exciting and also sort of validating in a way. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, to me, the, the, there's a lot of takeaways there, but I think the biggest one is you went from nothing selling. You could yeah. have said like, 
okay, I'm not cut out for this. I'll just make, you know, cute photo albums for my family mm -hmm. with these photos. Yep. But you didn't do that. You knew you had something. And then you're on the Today Show. So what was mm -hmm. like the coolest in that onslaught of initial media when it went viral? When did you real? I mean, is there, I, I've never gone viral. Is there a <laughs> moment when you're like, oh my gosh, like people are really talking about this. Was it the Today Show calling you or what was that moment? Yeah, for me, it was, <laughs> it was like I was asleep on a Saturday morning, and at like 7 in the morning, I, I had fallen asleep, and my phone was underneath my pillow, and it was buzzing and buzzing and buzzing and buzzing, and it woke me up, and I was like, what? what? And then I read, I was, Emma Watson had tweeted at me. She like loved the photos, wish she had been photographed by me when she was younger, and I was like, I, I was like, that is insane, that is insane, totally insane. Um, so that, that might've been the moment that I was like, Hermione. Like yeah, I was going to say, are your girls Harry Potter fans? Were you like, I feel like that's got to get some like cool mom points right there. <laughs> yeah. They, they are, they, at that time, I think they had not really known too much about Harry Potter, but now they do. They were like, yeah, they, and honestly, like my kids do not care at all what I do. Like, <laughs> Amazing. They're, yeah, they're like, oh, it's work. It's boring. Um, and very recently, uh, David Beckham tweeting out your book. Oh like, my gosh. I forgot about that. Yeah. That might've been, <laughs> that might've been like, cause I, you know, I grew up playing soccer and I saw he, he had put in his story. He was like, like the, he had the book and his, I think his daughter might've been reading it. And I, so I just DM'd him back on on um, Instagram, like, you know, thank you so much for sharing the book. It meant so much to me. And then I remember I was in line at security at the airport and I was on the phone with my husband and I was like, oh my gosh, David Beckham, blah, blah, blah. And then I text or I messaged that thing to him thinking there's no way he's seeing this because, you know, he's got a couple hundred million followers and I see those like three bubbles come <gasps> back and I was like falling down. Yeah. <laughs> So did you send him a copy or did he buy it at a bookstore? I think the Spice Girls all got copies. Oh my um, gosh, that's I awesome. Yeah, I saw this when they when they were getting back together to talk about their tour, they somebody tweeted a picture of them all together and there was a bunch of copies of Strong Zoo pretty on the table. So I think they might have all gotten a copy somehow. That's awesome. All right, so tell me about what is the main message in the book? And and is the book more for young girls? Is it for their moms? Who's your kind of target here? And what is the message that you hope that they're getting from the book? So the, I would say that the target would be um, kind of all ages. So, you know, it's for moms, it's for daughters, it's for, um, you know, I would say probably I've heard kids, you know, as young as like three having it read to them. So, but then all it goes all the way up. Cause I think like the pictures are really easy to digest and then you can read the quotes to the girls. So, but the ages of the girls in the book are five to 20. So there's a, there's a good mix there. And then um, the message of the book is really just that you, just as you are, are worthy. Like you do not need to change who you are. You do not need to alter who you are in any way that, you know, the way that you're made, the things you're interested in um, are, are enough. And that, um, that, that, that basically, you don't need to change yourself to be accepted. 
So how do you create that really inclusive message? Because I'm thinking like, you know, let's say I am a mom in the South, which I'm not, but for, <laughs> for the sake of my example here, and I love putting my daughter in, you know, or she loves being in bows and pretty dresses mm -hmm. and sequins and pink. Is the book yeah. for her too? Oh, for sure. I think that's one of the main misconceptions is if you don't read the book, if you maybe you look at a few pictures that... Um, that you know that's saying that that's wrong um and it's not and honestly that was that was it i felt like i really had this amazing opportunity because in between all of the images going viral and creating the book the that was one of the major criticisms directed at the work and i was like you know what that's true even though i'm saying that you know princesses are fine and things like that are, are totally okay that i didn't show it and i was like i have to address this in in the i have to address this in the book and so making sure that i had girls that were not athletes girls that were were more interested yes in princesses in dance or things like not that dance isn't an athlete but um but things that are more typically feminine i wanted to make sure i included those as well as girls that were outside the box and pushing boundaries and doing things that were not typically feminine. So I wanted to have both. And I was thankful for that criticism because I was like, oh, no, 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 you need to read the article. Look, I say it's okay. But I was like, you know what, as a photographer, I have to show it. I love that. Tell me about your girl. I know you, you joke that like they don't care what their mom does, but yeah. <laughs> when they're seeing these images and they're going viral, like what was their reaction like? I think they, I mean, Honestly, they do not really, they don't seem to get, get any sort of like self-worth or like they don't seem to get inflated egos if their images are, are places. I think because they've kind of grown up with it. And if honestly, if they did, I wouldn't do it anymore because I wouldn't, I don't want them to, you know, I don't want them to brag about that or, um, or, I don't know, use it in any negative way, I guess. To, um, so they, they, I think they're proud. I think they're proud that people, people see, you know, my 14 year old, you know, that she sees she's on the cover of a book about strong girls. I think it makes her proud. And I mean, it's funny, my youngest daughter, so there's Strong as New Pretty, which Ella is on the cover, and then the journal, which our next door neighbor is on the cover. <laughs> and then the heart of a boy, which my nephew is on the cover. My um, youngest daughter Alice is like seriously. Why am I? What? Why Where's am my I? Book, Mom? Yeah, I know. And I'm like, All right, Alice, we'll work on it. <laughs> yeah. So you need to do another book, obviously. Yeah. Um, so when you were growing up, I'm sure you've seen photos of yourself as a child. Mm -hmm. What kind of girl were you growing up, and what do you remember? Like when you look at your old, either school photos or photos your parents took of you, what were those like? So I was completely like my main focus was soccer I love soccer and I when I see pictures of myself like I am oh like usually yelling <laughs> something I was kind of a loud I was loud I was driven you know very competitive kid and I look back in those pictures and I remember feeling like I always was too much you know, like I was always trying to be like who I was, but always like tone it down. So it was a little more palatable for everybody. <laughs> and um, I remember like these thoughts of like always wishing I wasn't so me, you know, like I was just, I was just, I was a lot and was so thankful 
that my parents never said that, you know, they, they never said, you know, like, you're, you're, you're a lot, Kate, like, <laughs> you might want to, you might want to like tone it down a little bit. And um, it was just a nice, I was just, I was, I think I got real lucky with my parents that they never said, you know, like girls don't play soccer. Um, well, you know, cause there wasn't a girls team when I started and they found me a team with boys and I played on that boys team or, you know, girls don't cut their hair like their brothers generally. And they, they, you know, they let me cut my hair just like my brothers and like a little bowl cut and it looked terrible. <laughs> Um, bring it back bring it back <laughs> bring back the bowl cut yeah it looked like it was like pen 15 I don't know if you've seen that no like, I haven't oh. but people love it it's so funny but yeah it was awful um but no I just I I was I, when I look at images of myself I'm like yeah I, I can see that that I remember that feeling of being like you got to tone it down and it didn't come from my parents but it came from like peers and stuff so I was I was glad I, I was just glad to see that and remember that and then also as an adult not feel like that anymore yeah so what is the message that you give to your own girls is it very much just like you're fine the way you are you're great like what do you say do you just let them be who you are who they are yeah and we try to encourage that and the, to encourage them to you know figure out the things that, that they love and the things they are passionate about and encourage them to pursue those things. Um, just cause I feel like, especially with girls, if you are invested in something, if you are passionate about something, whatever it is, then your self-worth comes from that as opposed to like external things, like what do boys think about you or what are your peers saying? If you love and really dedicate yourself towards, you know, for me, it was soccer. For my youngest, it's singing. For my oldest, it's soccer as well. Like, if you have these things in your life that you love, then, um, you know, you can get knocked around a little bit. And that everybody's going to get knocked around. But at least you have this self-worth from this thing that you, your passion. Um, and I, we really encourage them to figure out what that is and to um, pursue it, like, with all of their heart. What about other kids? Because this is something I think about, especially as my niece and nephew are in school and, you know, knowing that one day my daughter's going to be in school. What about other kids? We can teach our own kids how to be kind. We can teach mm -hmm. them how to be strong and confident. We can't teach that to other children's children or other, other people's kids. No. We can't control bullies, mean kids. How do you handle that? Have you encountered that at all? Oh my gosh. Yes. We've had a, yes. I mean, middle school is a little tough for, <laughs> I think, especially for girls, but yeah, the, the, we, we've gone through that with our oldest the last year. And it's the thing that I kept saying to her is like, is that if somebody isn't treating you well, if, or if somebody's not being kind to you, that it's not, you know, it most likely has nothing to do with you. You know, it's got a lot of stuff to do with them or how they feel about themselves or things like that. Um, and that all she can do is just continue to be her good, kind self. And that I feel like all of it will eventually shake out in the end. And that's really hard for like a 13 or 14 year old to understand is like, you know, if somebody's not being nice to you or somebody's leaving you out, all you can do like, and for her, we just basically were like, you need to go find these, you know, I guess, open up yourself some more to people that want to be around you and people that, because you're, you know, I think it, you, she's worth it. You know, you're worth it. If, and finding people that love you and appreciate you 
and that invite you and want to be around you is huge and not going towards where you're getting rejected um, it's such a huge life lesson is to like go where the light is as opposed to going where the dark is. And is she, how did she do with that? I'm just thinking like mm-hmm. I was 14. I remember crying about, you know, either mean girls at school or whatever it was. And my mom saying all the right things. And in my head, I'm like, well, you don't understand. Cause yeah. of course in your head, your parent has never been a child. Your parent yeah. has never been in middle school. They've always been an adult. How mm-hmm. did she do with that? Is she pretty responsive to it? I think she did. Yeah, she did take, I I mean, I think she took our advice to a point and then, but probably I'm sure it was like, you don't know what's going on. You know know what I mean? Like, and, and we don't, because I did not grow up with Snapchat and Instagram and knowing every single thing that I was left out of. They know everything that they are not invited to. They know everything that's going on without them. And that's really hard. So I think, um, it's, it's been, I don't know, she's, she's doing great. Like she definitely learned a lesson about how to, you know, like to how she wants to be treated and how she would treat other people. I think, I don't think you recognize maybe if you are on the receiving end of being left out, if you are the one being left out, you at up until that point, maybe you don't realize how hard it is and how hurtful it is to to be left out. And then, so I think in the future, that's all I said to her. I was like, all you can do is learn that you don't want to ever do this to somebody else. You don't ever want, like, even if it's, if it's inadvertent, I think until it happens to you, you're kind of like, oh, that's fine. It's no big deal. But it is a big deal when you're the one that didn't get looked at, looked to, you know, to get invited or whatever. Cause they, that's the thing. Like everybody knows everything, you know, like they're on Snapchat, there's these maps, they can see where everybody is. And I don't know, it's just she's been great. Like I've been so in awe of how she's kind of handled sort of a a little bit of a diversity and how she's moved on and made new friends. And like, she's just grown from it. I'm just really impressed with her. Oh, good. Go girl. All right. So strong is the new pretty, obviously a huge hit. You got some really awesome partnerships through it as well. Tell me about some of the partnerships and some of the cool opportunities that came from Strong is the New Pretty. Oh, yeah. It's been, it's been an amazing, yeah, it just opened up so many doors and windows for me to get to work with these great brands because I feel like I, I'm so excited when somebody that has a larger platform than me is also like taking on this message and, and sort of spreading this message as wide, wider as possible. Like I work with Disney, which an amazing opportunity to – basically they they called and said hey we're looking to um, rebrand princesses we want to show princesses in in as many different ways as possible you know not what we typically show and um, they asked 20 photographers from around the world whatever they thought princesses could look like or would inspire girls um, in a different way Um, it was amazing Um, I've also worked with Kellogg's to show strong women and so what did you do for the Disney one? Oh my gosh. I, it, it was, I felt like I was getting pranked when they, cause somebody called and they were like, we're from Disney. I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> and you <laughs> want a free cruise. Yeah, I know. I was like, seriously. And then, and also cause they were like, well, whatever you want to do, what do you want to do? And I was like, nobody calls and says that, especially Disney. Um, but it was awesome. So my, I thought about it and I had, I wanted to show, so I, I just basically said, I said, can you send me like 30 princess dresses? And then, cause I wanted to show 
I wanted to show a princess in sort of a strong as new pretty way, like taking like that girls could be love to dress up like princesses, but they didn't have to be look perfect or be perfect. So the idea was that Alice, my youngest, and probably I think we had 20 of her friends and they had a mud fight in our front yard in their dresses. And um, I, it was so much fun. I mean, it's not the most well thought out because all those like 20 girls had to clean themselves up in my house. <laughs> um, but it was great. And then there was, I had another, um, I did two, like two different shoots basically. And the other shoot was one of my favorite girls from, from Strong's New Pretty. Her name is Grace. And she had um, osteosarcoma and had lost part of her leg, but was still a runner with her prosthetic. And so I showed Grace running with her in her prosthetic with a, um, I think it was an Aurora, like, like Tierra on. And it was just, just trying to, you know, trying to like, just flip it a little bit to show like strong and confident and like overcoming these girls were um, just to show a little bit different. So it's been, that was an amazing campaign. Like somebody, somebody just emailed me the other day and said it was in Australia. Like it's, it's a, it tours. So like all the images from all these photographers from all over the world, they were at the UN for a while. And then it was, um, I guess it's in Australia now it's going to Brazil. It's very, it's just, it's a, that's the thing that I love so much is that, companies like Disney who have a global impact are, are sort of getting on this message of showing girls as strong and confident and um, just flipping, flipping the story just a little bit. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Sweaty Betty. I am so excited to be sharing my love for Sweaty Betty throughout the Motherhood Monday series. And thanks to our partnership, I've actually learned that I have a new dream job. Yes, podcasting is great, and these conversations are a lot of fun, but dream job alert. My new life goal is to be one of Sweaty Betty's gear testers. See, Sweaty Betty's design team is comprised entirely of women. That means women who know women's bodies are the ones creating the shapes, styles, and textures that will help you perform your best. And every single piece they create and conceive is then tested by Sweaty Betty's in-house athletes. And now when I say in-house athletes, I don't mean they hire a bunch of fitness models to be on standby until like Mugatu is ready to hand over a pair of leggings. I mean, everyone who works for Sweaty Betty from the finance team to the marketing crew gives the products a test run before they hit the market. They make sure everything performs to the highest standard. And uh, according to a little birdie over at Sweaty Betty, they even shower in the jackets to make sure they're water resistant. So yeah, best job ever, best job ever. And best company ever and best clothes ever. I love them. I know you will too. If you have not yet gone on a Sweaty Betty shopping spree, let me help you with that. Go to SweatyBetty.com, fill up your cart, and use code ONTHERUN at checkout for 20% off. That's SweatyBetty.com using code ONTHERUN for 20% off. And uh, no need to shower in your jacket. They already did that for you. Now let's get back to the show. Well, and speaking of flipping the story, let's talk about The Heart of a Boy, your mm -hmm. second book. What is The Heart of a Boy? What's it all about? So um, it, it is basically the message. I realized that after doing Strong is New Pretty and then Heart of a Boy, that it's the same exact message, that it's not a girl message, not a boy message. It's a human message about celebrating you, who you are without changing that. Like whatever you are, we want to celebrate that. And um, the way I did it was through imagery. 
And so tell me about actually putting the book together. What did you learn from doing the heart of a boy? And, and did you feel out of your comfort zone as a mom of two girls? Doing oh my this gosh, a hundred percent. I didn't want to do this book at all. And the, Every, every, so on the tour for Strong is New Pretty, I spoke, you know, to thousands and thousands of girls and without fail, every single talk, some, a little boy or a teacher of boys or a parent of boys would be like, well, when are you going to do your book about boys? And I was like, they don't need it. They're fine. Like boys are fine in my head because I don't, you know, I'm a mom of girls and I was like, no, our girls need a voice. Our boys are fine. This is not necessary. And I was kind of like annoyed. You know, I'm like, why do we have to do it for the boys? Like the girls need the voice. And then my publisher asked me the same question. Like, would I consider doing a book like Strong as You Pretty, but about boys? And I was like, I don't really think that this is necessary. But I said, just to kind of to play nice, I was like, I will try. I will do like, I was going to do a few test shoots and then see if it felt right. And then my head, I was like, I'm just going to come back and say, it didn't make sense. Let's do strong and do pretty too. <laughs> and the, the first, maybe as, as I started researching and talking to parents of boys and talking to boys and shooting a few boys, I realized like immediately that I was so wrong that, that the boxes that we put around what a girl looks like and what a boy, what a girl can do is pretty narrow in 2019. But for boys, those boxes of what, what is acceptable to look like, to be like, to act like for boys is even smaller. So I was like, oh gosh, I feel like they might need this more than our girls. There's a lot of options for girls, um, like books like Strong is New Pretty for girls, but there's like nothing that is out there like this for boys. Like there's not, I feel like we're just starting this conversation for our boys. I was, my eyes were sort of closed to this. And I was so glad I had the opportunity to like, to open them and recognize that I was like, I was totally wrong. And like the boy, the vulnerability and the softness and the kindness that these boys were willing to share with me is not something that we generally see in boys at all. It reflected in the media. So I was like, it's time to share this information and share these images and share these stories. So I was very, very thankful. So I'd love to know, as you know, as a society, we so broadly put boys and girls into these two categories, kind of like you were just saying. You know, yes, it's 2019, but gender roles are still so present of like, boys do sports and girls do dance or whatever. Yes, yeah. Obviously not always true. Like, this is meant to be very broad, people. Yeah. But <laughs> talk to me about what you see from behind the lens what unites kids regardless of their sex or their gender? What, yeah, one of the things that I think that really was a sort of a theme throughout both Strong and Pretty and The Heart of a Boy is this idea of opening up our kids to figuring out what their passions are, like whatever that is, and that figuring out what their passions are I think is so huge. And the kids, I noticed that the kids – in throughout both of the books that were the most successful and like, like typically successful were not the kids that, that were necessarily the smartest or had the most advantages. It was the kids 
that had grit, that, that had taken no's and did not let him stop it, that kept moving forward despite lots of setbacks, that just kind of kept at whatever the things that they loved, whether it was sports or dance or music or art, whatever it is, the kids that sort of like were tenacious and gritty were the ones that were the most successful. And um, oftentimes the way that they got to the thing that they figured out the thing that they loved was a parent or a coach or a teacher just like opening that door a little bit to say, sure, why don't you try that? Instead of necessarily like, like there was one girl that I've shot um, that's a wrestler and she's, she placed fourth in the state of Georgia against the boys. And nobody at any point her she had asked her dad, she had said, Hey, can I wrestle? Cause her older brother wrestled. Her dad didn't say, you know, girls don't wrestle. Why don't you try something else? He just said, sure why don't you try that? And if I feel like as a parent, that's such a huge part of like, we're all willing to fight for our kids, but sometimes it's not about fighting for your kids. It's about just like allowing them to be who they are as opposed to who you maybe want them to be or expect them to be. It's about like letting our kids steer the ship just a little bit. Oh, I love that. And tell me about your blended project, which is super cool. Oh, yes. That one is, it's sort of an ongoing one. My, um, my sister and my brother-in-law um, five years ago adopted Sam. And so it's just sort of details how that, like that first day that he was born, we got to go to the hospital. Luckily, he was here in Atlanta. So we were close. And it just, it's this amazing, like Sam is African-American. So it's this just it makes for and my sister my sister's red hair and freckles they couldn't be like farther apart in terms of what they look like but it's just they're such a beautiful family and there's so much love and it's more about like it doesn't matter what you look what your family looks like like that it you know that maybe you don't look like you go together but you definitely are like you definitely it's all about your heart and I just love I love shooting pictures of him he's the most handsome little guy ever and Just, you know, he completed their family and um, he's brought so much joy into all of our lives. I just, it's just such a, it's like that project, I feel like is less, less about like challenging things or stereotypes. It's more just about, for me, it's just like, there's so much love there. I just, it's just a, such a positive project. All right. I'm going to ask a selfish question as I, as I often do on this show. <laughs> so I am a mom of a young girl. She, she's still a baby. But mm-hmm. I want to raise her to be strong and confident. I don't care if she wants to do that in a sequin tutu and a tiara or if she wants to be having a mud fight in the front yard. I don't care. All I want is for her to be confident. Mm-hmm. You're raising two of your own. You've worked mm-hmm. with so many amazing children and presumably at these shoots, I'm guessing their parents are around. So mm-hmm. tell me, I need a message for me, my selfish mm-hmm. ask. What do I and everyone listening, what do we need to know about raising confident children? Oh, that's, that's like, what's the secret sauce? Yes. Do you have it? (laughs) Can you tell it to me? I've I've been looking for a handbook to parenting for seven months now and haven't found it. So I'm using this to make the handbook. I, I mean, honestly, I think a lot of it is modeling it for them. Like if, you know what I mean? Like if you come across to her as a confident, capable woman, it rubs off. So like, and then honestly, like it is always for me, in addition to doing that, like I'm, I am, I show my girls like, you know, 
I'm out here. I'm pushing myself. I'm trying new things. I'm failing. I'm, I'm, I'm coming back from the failure. Um, but also for them, and it, this is very specific and, and you may not have it at seven months old, but for me, I am constantly asking them to challenge the idea of what their roles are. Like if there is, um, for social media, I'm always like, do you see that picture there? It's face tuned. Her skin does not look like that. Nobody's skin looks like that. It's like constantly in the world, asking them to be sort of, um, critical thinkers and observers of their world. Or why do you think, you know, does that need to be pink? Is that necessary? Is there, does there need to be like a building set and a girl's building set? Couldn't they be the same thing? Like for me, it's always just like constantly trying and not, not in an annoying way. Although my, I'm sure my kids would beg to differ. It's like just always asking them to question the world around them. Like that it's not, it doesn't always have to be what is presented to them. You know, like, um, they're, you know, they're on Instagram and Snapchat and all these, all these places, but I'm always like trying to show them, you know, that it's filtered. Oh no, wait, that is not really what their kitchen looks like. Like it's, they just cleaned a corner. Like, no, I guess nobody's life is perfect and asking them to understand that part of it. And also just like sort of question the world around them in a way that, um, benefits them. I love that. I'm 34 and I'm still trying to do that. So I think that's great advice. Start them young. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. So we talked a bit about new motherhood for you and what that looked like. What in those earliest days with your first, what would you say came naturally to you and what did you find to be the most challenging? Oh, okay. So naturally, I think sort of the caretaking thing came naturally to me, like, you know, attending to attending to her needs and making sure she was okay and giving her love and kisses and all that stuff was totally natural. I think the whole, like, and I don't even know if this is a thing, like the mommy culture thing, like relate, like that sort of like competitive thing where you're talking to other new moms, that was really not natural to me. Like I was like, I felt, I felt the role, like I loved being a mom with my daughter and I, but I struggled with being seen as a mom because I you know I just for me in my head that felt like it felt older than I was or it felt um like like that stereotype didn't fit me you know and I and I so I sort of bristled at that a little bit like I was like I don't know if I I don't know if I wanted you know to take on all of those characteristics when I didn't really feel like they felt like me Um, so that was a challenge for me to figure out like, where do I fit in as a mom? I'm not working anymore outside the home. What, how do I, where, like, where do I fit in then? You know, so that was a struggle for me. So what did you find? Did you find somewhere to fit in or did you create something new or kind of how did that evolve for you? So I, what I did was I started doing, I was running a lot and I, and then I did, I was doing, I started to do triathlon. I didn't find a ton of moms there, but I found like more of a social outlet. And then that, that for me, that was huge because I would, I was social, you know, you're running groups, you bike in groups, you swim with the team. And for me, that was huge. I just needed to find sort of a place and an outlet. And that was that was a huge time. It really was time consuming. It helped me 
um, you know, physically feel like myself again. And also just like socially, it was, it was just a great place to like find friends and make friends. And can I just put like an asterisk on that, that every time you say triathlon, am I correct that it's Ironman? You've done an Ironman. I did. I did. I yeah, did. So it's super cute that you call it a triathlon. <laughs> and I understand that by definition, an Ironman is all I'm saying is if I had Iron Man to my name, I would drop that in conversation 600 times and I had to be the one to bring it up for you. So <laughs> it's funny. I feel like it's so long ago now that I'm like, I can't, can I claim that anymore? Yes. I it's guess for I life. <laughs> yeah. If you run a marathon, you're a marathoner for life. It's all, all those titles you own forever. Um, so when did you do your Iron Man? How old so, were you? Um, Ella, Ella was two. Ella was two. Yeah. So my first was two. And I, I did it in between having the girls. Cause I was like, I don't know if I can, I didn't know personally if I could train. I, I just, I wanted to do it then. And I had a group of, of a bunch of teammates. I did it with team and training. Um, and I, so I, we had trained for a half Ironman together and I loved it. And they were like, Hey, we're training for a full. And I was like, all right, I'll do that. You know, I was like, if you guys can do it, I can do it. And uh, my husband had done a, an Ironman um, before I met him and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever and like probably tons of people watched you know the Hawaii Iron Man on TV like many times thought it was the coolest thing in the whole wide world and then um, it was a, it was nice to for me to have like a goal um, to have a goal that I was working towards a goal that scared me and one that motivated me so it was it was a great experience I mean it scared the crap out of me for sure um, but I think you need that once in a while <laughs> Yeah, you survived your Ironman. You survived new motherhood. I mean, yes. I think you're doing great. <laughs> Thanks. I'm trying. Trying to keep it, keep it between the lines. <laughs> so I'm curious, too, about all the stages of parenting. I'd love to hear your perspective going from newborn to where you're at now with your girls. What stages have you found to be the most challenging? Mm -hmm. And what have been, you know, I hesitate to say easiest. Is it ever mm -hmm. easy? I don't know. But <laughs> looking at the stages from newborn to where they are now. Talk to me about like, um, oh, like it, I'll rank them. Newborn okay. is the worst. <laughs> I feel like newborn, I did not love it. Looking back, I didn't love the newborn stage. I think it's just hard. You're scared all the time. You don't know them that well. They don't know you that well. You're really, it's just like a fumbling stage and you don't get too much in terms of like you don't get a lot back from them. You know, there's not like, thanks mom, you're the best. Um, <laughs> But I, I feel like at toddlers, at every, it's funny, I'm not one of those parents that's like, I wish they were young. I miss those days. Like I always, I feel like I've always enjoyed the girls, wh whatever stage they were at. Cause like you, there's th like, uh, you know, th you lose things, but then you gain things. Um, there we're at a stage now where they can stay home alone. They can, you know, kind of, they're kind of doing things on their, like they're sleeping in like the. 14 year old just like literally all her friends that slept over they just woke up like an hour ago and it's 12 o'clock amazing I know so jealous. I know. I, yes I know and I remember when they were younger being like when do we get to sleep like when does this happen when do we get to sleep again and then it for me the two huge huge hurdles were not it being out of diapers and then then the next one the huge one was not being in car seats and I felt like those two things were, were just like giant milestones. Like just, you get a little bit of freedom. Yes. You're like, we can, we can rent a car at a, 
we don't have to travel with these car seats or, oh no, you can pick my kid up. I don't have to like, you know, transfer my car seat to your car seat or, and yeah, I think those two things were, were giant. And then also that one where you're like, oh, you can stay by yourself. Okay. <laughs> Are you okay with that? Yeah. It was, it's, it's, it's all like just figuring it out as it comes. You're always, I, as a parent, I feel like you're always just fumbling. You're yeah. Like, what? What's going on? <laughs> what advice looking back at that newborn stage that wasn't the best, which I just want to say, I really appreciate you saying that. No one says that. Everyone just talks about the snuggles and the snuggles. Oh. I mean, I love yeah. the snuggles, but yeah. also the snuggles hurt because my boobs hurt and I felt like I couldn't snuggle because I always had to pump and mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I appreciate your honesty there very much. Yes. What advice? I- <laughs> I love my kids that did not love that stage. I think it doesn't, it doesn't make you a bad mom. It doesn't make you anything, but like, I mean, you look at it. I feel like any other time in your life that you go through childbirth or a thing like you have certain giant major surgery, any other time in your life, it's like walking out of that hospital after being in a car crash and, and any other time in your life, they'd be like, you need to sleep for at least a month. But (laughs) when you have a baby, they're like, good luck. You're not going to sleep. You know what I mean? You need to stay awake and be conscious and be able to make good decisions. And yeah. And your hormones are all over the place and you're, yeah, you're not okay. And that baby's not, not like fully formed. So (laughs) good luck. And you'll you'll both be wearing diapers. Have fun. I forgot about the diapers. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So looking back, what advice, if any, what advice would you go back and give to new mom, Kate? Oh, that it gets better, that it gets better. And that to trust, to trust yourself, you know, to, to enjoy the little moments because they are really, they are so sweet and you're not going to get them back and not, um, and just to trust yourself and then know that, that the next stage is coming and that, that, you know, you got this, like, you're going to be okay. And these kids are going to be okay. Well, my last question was going to be, what advice would you give to moms of all stages of the game right now? That what you just gave to yeah. new mom, Kate is pretty good. Anything you'd add to that for moms who are either trying to conceive, who are pregnant, mm-hmm. newborn stage, middle school, teen, wherever they're at, what's your, what's your, what's your statement for them? Oh, for moms, just like, I just want to give you all a hug and that know that you guys are, you know, every, I just feel like everyone is doing their best everyone loves their kids and they are, we're all trying our best and just to cut yourself a little slack. I love that. All right. Before I let you go, we do a little mini on regular episodes. We call it the sprint to the finish. Mm -hmm. This is just a mini sprint because busy moms, we don't have time. So Mm -hmm. just a quick mini sprint. What TV or movie mom are you most like? Oh, oh gosh. TV or movie mom. Let me think. Do you know American Housewife? No. Okay. She's, I've heard of it, but I've yeah. never seen it. She's, I mean, she's just like very cut and dried, realistic. Um, I forget her name on the show, but it's Katie Mixon. She's awesome. And she just like loves her kids. Doesn't have a lot of patience for like the crap that goes on with other parents. I would say that she's, I've, I feel a kinship with her. <laughs> what TV or movie mom would you want to be most like? Oh, who's a good mom on TV? Like Elise Keaton from Family Ties. She's nice. a good mom. She's a good mom. That's a good one. What is the best piece of parenting advice you've ever received, if you've been given any actual good advice? I mean, my mom, 
my mom would always say to me like, and it's just, it's the same thing. It's just like, you're, you, you know, your kids like to trust my gut. You know, if I thought that they were sick or I thought that something was wrong or I thought that, you know, that we needed to make a change. Um, she would always just tell me to, to trust my gut and that to know that, that, I, that I, you kind of know what's going on and to, to under, you know, like just to listen to yourself. Um, Cause you know, your kids, you know, you're so just like intimately tied to your kids that, you know, you know what they need. What about the worst piece of parenting advice you've ever received? Oh, worst parenting advice. I mean, there's so much. I don't know if it's advice necessarily, but of like that compare, like the worst thing that I always found is like that comparison game, you know, where you're like, oh yeah, you come up against these, you know, moms or dads that are, are like bragging about their kid doing, you know, like walking at three months or whatever, like, and then feeling insecure about that when like, I think the thing is like each kid will come into their own at their own time and then will find their own talents and find their own, you know, ways to get things done. And I think just that comparison game really just steals a lot of the joy of being a parent if you're worried. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Try not to listen to those braggy parents. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> are there any resources you want to recommend to people listening? Favorite books, websites, writers, favorite moms to follow on Instagram. Mm -hmm. What do you love? What's helped you at any point in your motherhood journey? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I love, I think scary mommy is really funny. I think yeah. it makes us all feel like we're all failing and <laughs> it feels good to, you know, to like there's the misery loves company sometimes. Um, I love mighty girl, um, on Facebook. I think they're great. They make like amazing recommendations for strong, like confident girls for books that encourage that and toys that encourage that. Drew Barrymore, she's a mom, yeah. but she always like, she's always just so honest about her struggle or, um, just, and just like, so just loves her girls so much. And it comes through, I think just, you know, like you, you know, you look at her and you think she's got everything ev she could ever want, but also no, like she's very honest about, you know, her uh, struggles that she has about whatever. I just think, I think when people are honest and open about, you know, not everything's perfect, it really makes them relatable and uh, makes you want to want to hear more of their stories. Well, I just want to keep hearing more from you. You are relatable and aspirational. And I just, I love, love, love your books. I get so excited when I go to my local bookstores and I see them and I always take a picture and send it to Megan Murphy <laughs> uh, <laughs> since she is who brought us together. And she's one of my favorite moms to follow online. Actually. Yes, I know. I feel like I forgot her. Yes. Talk, Megan Murphy is we the most positive energizer bunny of a person I've ever met. Um, Best yes. description ever. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm so glad she brought us together. I have loved chatting with you and getting to know you. Everyone, go buy Kate's books. They are amazing and life-changing. And thanks for joining me on Motherhood Mondays. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining Kate and me for this episode of Motherhood Mondays on the Alley on the Run show. The feedback for this series has been tremendous, and I love bringing you these conversations every week. We're halfway through the series and you're going to love the rest of these guests. If you're loving it all so far, please let me know. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Allie on the Run one and on the Allie on the Run Facebook page. But the real best way to let me know you're into what I'm putting out here is to leave a rating and review for the Allie on the Run show on iTunes. It would mean so much to me. 
Before we shut this down, let's flash our big Alley on the Run show jazz hands for Sweaty Betty for making all this fun possible. Go to SweatyBetty.com and use code ONTHERUN for 20% off your entire cart. You know that's huge, right? Okay, happy shopping. Now, go out in the world today, be your truest, strongest self, and thanks for joining me on the run.